0: The letter of Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 3. Ephesians, chapter 3. and I'm just going to read verses 20 and 21. Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, And to him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. We're looking uh, this morning, friends, at just these uh, two verses. And my title for this morning's message is Divine Ability. Divine Ability. God's Ability. What can God do? What can he not do? Uh, That's what this verse is telling us. He can do whatever. He can do uh, many things. He can do so many things that we uh, cannot do. What can we do, friends? We can do so very little. What can you do? What can I do? What can I accomplish with the word or with my own energy and power? So very, very little. But God can do anything. He can change hearts, as we'll see, He can change circumstances. He cannot topple nations if he chooses and governments if he chooses. And he's done that. It's all in his hands. No one can uh, overpower him. He is the strongest strong one. He is the Almighty. Well, here in these these two verses, Paul is coming to an end of the doctrinal section of this letter. He's been teaching all the way from verses chapter 1 to chapter 3 here. And now in chapter 4 he's going to go into the practical side of the letter. That's his usual style, his usual pattern. Teaching first and then applying it to life. And that's the kind of balance we need in our lives. We need teaching and understanding first and doctrine first. What is the, the right teaching and then applied. We mustn't be imbalanced in our lives and just be all learning, 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 and no application, nor must we go the other side and say, well, I'm just going to do, 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 and never learning really what what is in the the Scriptures. There's so much for us to learn and to understand. And uh, 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 we learn from this. So a right balance, friends, is what we need uh, to aim for. Doctrine and uh, also application. But we'll come to practical things uh, next next week or next study, God willing. But here in these two verses, as I'm sure you know, this is a doxology. This is an exuberant, ecstatic uh, burst of praise uh, to God by the Apostle. He's just uh, been been praying for them, and he's been asking great things for them. We saw that in our last study. He's, He's been asking that the Lord would strengthen them with might by his Spirit in their inner man. That's a great request. And that also they may have more fellowship with Christ by faith and know him in a better way day by day. He's prayed that prayer that they may come to know the immeasurable love of Jesus Christ, the length and the breadth and the depth and the height. Oh, we cannot, we cannot reach uh, the ends of uh, his love, but he desires that they may come to know it in a much a better way and a broader and a wider way than they had done. Great request, he's asking of God for these Ephesian believers. And uh, is God able to do this? He, 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 uh, he ends with this exultant praise. Yes, I've asked God for these blessings. He's able to do it. But he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I've asked or even thought for his glory that he may be glorified in your lives. Glorified in the church, unto him be glory in the church. This is how God is going to get glory to himself through the lives of his people, through you and I who believe in him as we uh, come to know him and walk with him in a better way. So this is uh, this is what's in mind here. But I want to primarily look at verse 20 and just really th- think of it as a, An exhortation and encouragement to us to pray because there is so much just in thinking on this. When we come to pray, to remember how much, to remember this divine ability of God. Not to come with a vague, without any thoughts, but remembering the God that we come to, he can do anything that we ask of him. Not only that, he is able to do above, uh, above what we ask. He's able, nothing is difficult, friends, for him to do. He's able to help us out of every difficulty. You remember, you know that hymn, Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, For his love and power are such, none can ever ask too much. This is the God that we are coming to. He's able to help you out of every difficulty that you're facing you in in a situation, you don't know your way out, you're in a corner, God can help you. Pray. He's able to help you. If you have a nasty temper still, if you're still struggling uh, with uh, jealousy or envy, if you still find, oh, even as a believer, I'm still so selfish, but you want to be delivered from it. You want to be uh, redeemed from it. Or maybe there's a bitterness in your spirit. Somebody has hurt you. Somebody has harmed you. And you, you can't get over it. Well, the Lord is able. God is able to help you in such a situation. Maybe somebody you're praying for, and they're very stubborn. They don't want to hear the gospel. They want to change. They're not malleable. They're not responsive uh, uh, to what you're saying. Well, friends, God is able to change that person and bring them uh, to a different way of thinking. God, of course, can change. He's able to change circumstances people uh, as well as as, uh, circumstances as well as people. God is able to thwart the plans of evil men. Sometimes we feel powerless, isn't it? We see things happening in the upper realms of politics and those people who have the power to enact laws are bringing in laws that we don't agree with. And we we feel, Lord, we're powerless to change these things. But there is more power in prayer. And God is able to change uh, those things and able to thwart the the plans and devices of individuals, whether on a national basis or even as individuals. Just yesterday I was talking to a man in the open air, and uh, he actually came from a Christian family, brought up in a Christian family. Uh, But his first words to me were, Jesus doesn't exist. It's all a fairy tale. And later on he came back and we had a long chat, but uh, you know, he, he, he said to me, why doesn't God do something? When they are looking at the world, common, a common question, why doesn't God do something? Look at all the problems, look at all the trouble that is in the world, look at all the mess this world is in. They think God is inactive, he's not doing anything. But he, and The Bible te- teaches us very differently. God is very active, friends. It's just that we cannot see what he is doing. He is restraining so much evil by moving people's consciences. People want to go and maybe do something evil or plan to do something terrible, and God moves that person's conscience to convict them. You shouldn't be doing that. Don't do that. That's wrong. That's God moving in that person. Uh, God thwarting people's uh, plans, and he's doing this all the time. This world would be a much worse place than it is now if God withdrew his hand completely and said, okay, i just leave you. If God was doing nothing, well, we, this world would be uninhabitable. We wouldn't be able to get along with each other. But yet still there is some order, there is some love, there is still some concern, there is still some consciousness about helping others and doing, uh, doing good to others. That's what, this is the work of God. God in his providence is upholding the world that we live in. Oh, God has done nothing? God has done nothing? The cross. What is the cross, friends? I said to him, look at the cross. The cross is the demonstration of God's love. This is the greatest thing that God has done, that he has sent his son to die for sinners, that whoever believes in him may be saved, and their lives, not only forgiveness, but their lives transformed. And their lives changed for good. Changed lives. You can't argue with a changed life, friend. That's what I said to him as well. I said, look at the lives. Here are people whose lives have been changed. God has changed them. And this is, this is what God is doing. It's a marvelous thing. Oh, friends, they, we, we try, the, the world tries to rehabilitate people, to change people's actions, but they cannot. God changes the heart. God is the one, for example, of a person who's a thief. And he's a, he's a continual thief. He can't stop uh, thieving. But if he becomes a Christian, what does God do? God changes his heart, removes that desire to thieve. He wants to go out to work. He wants to support. He wants more, even more. He doesn't want to gather money for himself. He wants to gather money for other, to help other people, to distribute to others. This is how God does things. He changes people. We are always trying, politics is out change the circumstances, make our life uh, better, give us more money and then we'll be happier. Oh. Change the person, change people. This is what the Lord uh, does. He's in the business of changing lives. I'm very active. My father worketh, Christ said, and I also work. Ask, the Lord said, and I will do. He's, he's answering people's prayers and working wonders. So keep this in mind, friends, God's infinite power and ability when you're praying, how much? But how much can God do? Paul says he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Exceeding abundantly. Paul's made up that word. It's, uh, it's his own concoction. That's uh, exceeding abundantly. That's a double superlative. And he is saying he can do so much more than we can even ask or even think, above all that we ask or even think. And we'll look at these a little bit, a bit more in detail. In what way has God and is God able to, uh, to, uh, to answer our prayers above what we ask? And then we'll look a little bit at what he says. How, how is God able to answer our prayer or prayers above what we think as well? So these two we look at. Firstly, above all that we ask, God is able, friends, to answer your prayers, not only to give you what what you've asked for, if it's right, if it's in line with his will, but to give you exceedingly more than you asked for. reminded, remember King Solomon, when he came to the throne uh, after his father David, and the Lord appeared to him, and the Lord said, Solomon, what can I... uh, Ask What do you want? I'm I'm willing to give you anything. And he said, Lord. He looked at his role that he was facing and he saw, Lord, I don't have the wisdom to govern this people. I don't know how to rule, how to go in and out amongst these people. Lord, give me wisdom. And the Lord said, okay, I will give you wisdom. But because you asked uh, only for wisdom, I will also give you riches and wealth and honor. He gave him a lot more than he asked for. But even that wisdom that he gave him, friends, was much, much more. God didn't just give him wisdom to rule and to judge the people which he needed. God gave him wisdom about everything in life, it seems. He knew about the animals. He, He knew about life. He knew about people. Especially he had spiritual wisdom. People came from all over the world to hear the wisdom of Solomon. God-given wisdom that was given to him. So much more uh, than he expected. This is how the Lord uh, answers prayer. Same for us, isn't it? We pray, Lord, give me understanding. Lord, teach me thy way. Show me when I read the Scriptures. And when we think of how much we, we know now compared to before, or before we were even Christians, how much we have come to know about the world, How much we've come to know about ourselves and especially about our God and what's going to happen in the future and how this world came about in the the past. These things have been revealed to us and our understanding of the Savior and the Gospel and what Christ has done to take away our sins. Oh, friends, what an education God has given us. We asked, Lord, teach me, and he taught us so many things and is continuing to teach us things better than Maths better in English, better in physics. Oh, friends, we, the Holy Spirit, is our teacher and brought us to know these wonderful things. Do you remember the day when you first cried to the Lord and you said, Lord, forgive me my sins? And Lord, I, I, and you, named your, you mentioned those sins that came to your mind. Maybe it was the major sins that you mentioned, Lord, forgive all these sins. And the Lord heard your prayer. Do you remember it, friends? But when you went on with the Lord and you began to realize, the Lord, Lord forgave me not only those sins, he forgave me so much more. There were so many other sins which when well, I'd forgotten about then there were the sins of my youth. Well, I forgot about those, but the Lord forgave me all those too. There were the, the sins I was just unaware of, presumptuous sins, willful sins. The Lord forgave us in a mighty, a mighty way. Or well, we ask the Lord also, for life, Lord, give me life. Give me a new heart. Change me and take away this stony heart of mine. He heard your prayer. He heard my prayer. He gave us a new heart. He gave us a new mind, a new inclination. We, things we never had before. He gave us those uh, inclinations towards him. He gave us new aspirations, new new goals. New values in life which we never had held before. He gave this to us. New loves. He gave us love for Him. We never loved God before. But now we love Him. We never uh, loved His Word. But now we love His Word. He gave us a love for prayer. He gave us a love for His people. And for worshipping together with His people. We love to meet together. We don't have to be pushed To meet together, maybe before we were converted, our parents pushed us to go to church. Mine did. And but not now we come willingly. Now we come heartily. Now we come gladly because God has changed us. Now we love to meet together. Now we love the lost. We never cared about them before. Only selfish. But God has given us a love for them. This is again His doing. Oh friends, he gave us exceedingly abundantly above all that we asked or think. Just like the prodigal son. Do so you remember what happened with him? He said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Give me my inheritance. The father gave it to him. And what did he do with all that the father gave him? He went to a far country, tried to get away as far away from his father as he could. And he squandered his That inheritance on wine, women, and song. That's how he lived until he'd spent everything. When he'd spent everything, he lost all his friends as well. And then he he became like a beggar. He he looked at the pigs feeding, and he wished he could even eat, or they were eating, because there was a great famine. And then he realized, and he came to his senses, and he said, I must go back to my father. I will go back. And I will say to my father, Father, receive me back. But let me be just as a servant. Don't take me back as a son. Just a servant. And he went back. And when his father saw him, his father ran out to him. And his father threw his arms around him. And the son said, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me as one of your servants, your hired servants. And the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. Put a ring on his finger. And he renewed him to the status that he had. He treated him much better than he ever expected his father to do. and Hasn't God done that with us? We've returned to him. We've said, Lord, I'm not worthy to be your your son. Make me as one of your servants. But he makes us, raises us up to the level of sons with him, heirs with Christ. Oh, friends, what what blessing the Lord uh, gives us in answer to uh, prayer. We can also think, In this terms of an an individual salvation, it may be you've asked the Lord to save somebody and you want them to also come to know Christ and to uh, to turn to him. Maybe a family member or a friend or a colleague or something. And they are saved. God hears your prayer. And they come to, to trust in Christ. But then more is given in answer to that prayer. Because that person then begins... To share the gospel with their family with their friends and so the gospel spreads and maybe that person will also become a pastor maybe that man will become a pastor in the church or that woman will become uh, who you pray for will become a missionary to a foreign land or a missionary to london because we need it in the here in london as well oh friends and this is more than what you prayed for you just prayed lord save that person you never expected God would take such a person and use them in such a wonderful a way. And then we could also just think a little bit about trial. In times of trial well we ask Lord help me. Lord maybe deliver me from this situation. And just like Paul, do you remember when uh, he prayed he had that thorn in his flesh and possibly a physical uh Infirmity in his eyes that was really, really troubling him. And he says, Three times I prayed, Lord, take this away. Lord, take this away. And three times the Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for you. He didn't take away the infirmity. He didn't take away that thorn in the flesh that was buffeting him. But he was, uh, the Lord gave him grace to bear uh, with that particular trial that he was going through. And through it now we, we, we look back and we think about that and we think we, we see that as an example of how God has uh, held, upheld our uh, 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 brother Paul and kept him going and so we, we learn from that experience down through history down through the ages we've all looked back and, as we've read in the scripture and we've gained physic- uh, spiritual strength uh, from it and it's the same possibly with us in times of trial yes God may help us God may deliver us out of it, or he may just say, my grace is sufficient for you. I will carry you through this trial. And he not only gives us grace, but he's going to use that situation. Other believers are going to see you being upheld by God in that difficulty, that trial that you're going through. And they say, how marvelous is the grace of God. How wonderful is the grace of God that has preserved this person, this man, this woman, Naturally speaking, they would have fallen. They would have given way. They would have uh, gone away f- uh, from God. It would have been too much for them. But they're still there. They're still going strong. And uh, this is the Lord's doing. Man's, this man's Unbelievers may look at that man and that woman and say, this person's faith is real. And they may say, well, he has. He has something we don't have. Because they see it in, in life. God must be real. Is. Uh, uh, must be something that they will think about. Oh friends, we could go on. May I mention Tyndale, William Tyndale, who more or less gave us our English Bible, a great translator in the 16th century. Oh friends, do you know it was illegal to have an English uh, Bible at that time? But he was determined that ordinary people like you and I should have it and be able to read it. It was, it was read mainly in Latin at the time. But, so he, but he, he was caught in Belgium. And he was, uh, he was, well, he was hanged and he was burnt at the stake because he, was, he translated the Bible. But this is the point I want to make. Before he died, he prayed, Lord, when he was actually, on the, I think he was on the stake, he said, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. The King of England at that time was Henry VIII. And the Lord heard that prayer and not only heard it, heard it in an exceedingly abundant way. because the King of England, not long after that, he said there must be an English Bible in every church, uh, chained, I think, to the pulpit, if I remember correctly, where people can come and read it. And that was an amazing answer to prayer. God uh, did that. Or we could talk about what God has done amongst us in the church here. uh, Thankfully, now we have a few in our congregation, but one of our sisters here could tell you that a number of years ago, there were just three people here in this congregation, just three ladies who kept praying and meeting together every Lord's Day, just three, and uh, God heard their prayer, and God blessed, blessed the work here, and it, it, start, it, it flourished again, and uh, God did many other, uh, uh, gave many answers to prayer, including our gate, our fence, rather, that we have around the church, which you can read about with a leaflet behind So wonderful ways in which God works, encouragements for us to remember when we pray, God can do so much more than what we ask. But also Paul says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. That is what we imagine above our conceptions. You know, we can go further with our thoughts than we can with our words. And uh, here this is, the idea God can do above what we think. I think there's something of that. this thought in our reading here in John chapter, which we had in John chapter 1. Nathaniel came, to, came and he was amazed that the Lord knew he had been sitting under a fig tree and uh, he's, the Lord said to him, Believest thou because of this? Oh, you will see greater things uh, than these things. And friends, God can do so much greater than our thoughts. Have you not thought, I I hope you have, I wish God would use me. I wish God would make me instrumental in saving souls, weak as I am, poor as I am in abilities and in speaking. I wish God would use me. Here I am, Lord. Make, Make me an instrument to bring other souls to you. And he has seen that thought. He has seen that good imagination that you have. And maybe he's given you a sphere of work that you never expected you would be involved in. Maybe you're teaching in the Sunday school or you're helping out uh, in evangelism in some way and he's given you a measure of instrumentality that you never dreamed of before. And that was God answering prayer. If you don't mind, i can give you a personal uh, experience. It was something similar. This happened to me. And I prayed a little bit before many years ago, I should say, and uh, I was reading about China, and I saw what was happening in China, and I just said and thought, Lord, if there's something I can do, you know, uh, I'm here, use me. But I never thought God would have heard that prayer. (laughs) But He did. And uh, from from there, things led on, and we ended up, to cut a long story short, we ended up, my wife and I, uh, going to China, we're not Hudson Taylors by any, by any, uh, any, uh, any idea, not, not as far as that. But we are, we're just simple people. We just tried to do what we could and with the abilities God gave us. And uh, we, we were able to see uh, people coming to hear uh, the, the Scriptures, to hear the Gospel, to plant seeds in people's mind. I never expected that. I never expected God to use us in such a way as that. And yet he did. Our oh, friends, he can do the same uh, with us. Or oh, hope, uh, have you not thought, friends, about heaven? And uh, maybe you, sometimes you've let your imagination roam a little bit, and within the bounds of Scripture, of course, you thought about heaven and what it's like, and you're looking forward uh, to it, but it's so much more than that. It's so much better when you realize, when you get there, you realize. The heaven is far, exceedingly, abundantly above what you thought it to be. So much, much better. And you believe, uh, chide yourself: Why did I live so much for the world? Why was I so taken up with the world? Heaven was here to think on. Or it may be also that you thought about what will be life. What sorry? What you will be like as a believer uh, in that place? What kind of a body will you have? What kind of a life will you have? you thought about the holiness and the purity of the place and you serving the Lord there, learning there. Oh, friends, but it hasn't yet been revealed what kind of people we will be. What will our bodies be like? Our minds, of course, all our capacities will have to be enlarged to take in those those things that are in heaven. We haven't yet perceived and imagined uh, how how wonderful uh, our own selves will be as we are changed and given these new bodies oh friends what a great and powerful god we serve let us come before him with large petitions and know that he can do above all that we ask or think expect great things from god when you pray he may not do as we ask he may in his wisdom withhold an answer to prayer. But when you come to pray, you come realizing He can do, if He chooses to do such and such a thing, He can do uh, above those things. But do remember, friends, we pray in according to the will of God. Some people, they use this verse in a wrong way. And they say, well, God wants to give you exceedingly abundantly in terms of riches. God wants you to be rich, exceedingly abundantly rich exceedingly abundantly wealthy and successful. That's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says it's mainly the, the spiritual blessings that, that are in mind. But friends, uh, we don't want to misappropriate this promise and apply it uh, to just something for ourselves in a wrong way. But let me move on very quickly. Uh, verse 20, this, the latter part, is also an encouragement for us, according to the power that worketh in us, this is the same power he mentioned in chapter one—the power that raised Christ from the dead—and the exceeding greatness of that power that is work, has worked in us, that changed us, that brought us from darkness to light. That was a mighty power, and Paul, is, what Paul is saying here is basically: well, you already have. If you're a Christian, you already have within you evidence of God's power. The fact that he has changed your life, the fact that he has brought you to himself, the fact that he has given you those new tastes and those new desires in life, that is an evidence of God's power at working in you. The fact that you are so different from before, you now you're a, a, a kind and outgoing person, whereas before you were more selfish and maybe unpleasant, and now you're gentle. That's an evidence of God working work in you. And it's a, an encouragement to you as you pray. And as he has done all these things, glory be to his name, he can continue to do uh, these things in us. He can continue to sanctify us. Any upcoming trials that may, we may fall into, maybe this week, God is able to help us. God is able to bear us uh, through those things. Still being troubled by the old man, still being troubled by some aspect, which is niggling at you and you know unkind word maybe comes out a cutting word comes out and you're struggling with that in the home or well, friends the lord can help you remember what he's done in you already sanctification is an ongoing process and you you, you he, he points out areas in your life said this needs to be addressed that needs to be seen to that needs to be prayed about and these things are, he will make us aware through life through our conscience be encouraged because as he has done so he will uh, continue uh, to do and then finally verse 21 just very briefly unto him be glory in the church no unto us unto him be glory oh so in this world who gives him glory everyone should give him glory everyone was created to give glory to god and to enjoy him forever The Shorter Catechism says. But it's only believers who will give him glory. It's only by the church that glory comes to him. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. The the thought here is the same as in verse 10, which we looked at before, where the angels observed, verse 10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. And as we said last time, that was the angels looking at the church, observing how God dealt with the church, observing how the Son of God gave his life for the church, observing how a small band of men were given the task of taking the gospel to the world, and they marveled at the wisdom of God in doing these things. And that same thought is here to God be glory in in the church or by the church. We are here, friends, as his people to glorify his name. When the world says, there is no God, the believer says, there is. And I believe in him. And the world says, there is no creator. You just come uh, from uh, nothing. You come from chemicals. You're just chemicals. There's no meaning to your life. They say, there is a creator. God made me. We glorify God in this way, and people say all ways lead to God. We say no. There's only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. Only one Savior of sinners, or oh, friends. Uh, even we look at those believers persecuted in some countries, imprisoned because they confess the name of Christ, cannot get the freedom to move about uh, freely, watched in so many ways and hindered from uh, f- uh, worshipping and gathering together, yet they are still holding on to the faith. That's glorifying to God. That's wonderful. And that uh, lifts up the name of the Lord. So let us, friends, not be silent. This is our role in life. This is your task and mine to glorify our God and to lift up His name in our lives and in our uh, communities. And this also suggests to us, is not it, that the church will be here, till the end of the world because look unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end and so may it be and so i read again verse 20 and 21 now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us and to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's close by singing our final hymn, number 479, Soldiers of Christ Arise, 479.